Every man must decide whether he will walk in the light of creative altruism or in the darkness of destructive selfishness. Martin Luther King Jr. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to say a special thank you to all of you that have shared this podcast on social media or with your friends. That means more to me than you know. Also, thank you to all of you that have given generous ratings on Apple Podcasts and for all of you that have taken the time to do a written review on Apple Podcasts. Every time you rate or review this podcast, it makes it more accessible to other people and it helps us grow. And because of your support, I just found out that this podcast broke into the top 200 of all self-improvement podcasts, which is a really crowded competitive space. So thank you so much. It's kind of weird. I'm incredibly passionate about the content of this show, but I'm still a little uncomfortable marketing it. I still struggle with that. So thank you to all of you for your support and for helping me get the word out. Also, please go to my website, calwalters.me, just my name.me, and sign up to receive email updates from me. I'll send you updates on new podcast episodes and newsletters from me on lessons that I'm learning along the way. No spam, I promise. So last year, I read a lot of books. It was a great year for me with reading, but there was one book that made a particularly lasting impact on me, and it's called The Go-Giver. A special thanks to Graham Cochran and his podcast for introducing me to this book, and it's a story about Joe, and Joe's life, I think, mirrors the lives of a lot of us. He works really hard, we work really hard towards our goals, but we're not really getting as far as we'd like. And Joe meets this guy named Pindar, and Pindar walks Joe on a journey, and he introduces him to these five counterintuitive laws to success. And I think as you read it, it challenges us as the readers that success, true success, may be found in unexpected ways. It's a powerful book. Adam Grant said that the go-giver is the most important parable about business and life of our time. Dave Ramsey said, if you follow the principles in this fantastic little book, if you really strive to be a go-giver, you'll find that Zig Ziglar was right. You can really have everything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And today I'm honored and I'm excited to bring you an interview with Bob Berg, the co-author of The Go-Giver. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders, Olympic athletes, broadcast personalities, and even a former U.S. president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over 2 million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, which he co-authored with John David Mann, itself has sold over 925,000 copies, and it's been translated into 28 different languages. It was rated number 10 on Eat Magazine's list of the most motivational books ever written, and was on HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. The American Management Association named Bob one of the 30 most influential leaders, and he was named one of the top 200 most influential authors in the world by Richtopia. The Go-Giver series has now expanded to the Go-Giver Leader, which I highly recommend, the Go-Giver Influencer, and Go-Givers Sell More. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and a defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He's also an unapologetic animal fanatic, and he's a past member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption Clinic 
and ranch in his town of Juniper, Florida. And I can honestly say that Bob is a go-giver in real life. From the moment I reached out to Bob to ask him to be on this podcast, he was humble, generous, and kind. And you'll see in this interview that he was also very authentic and honest about areas where he's trying to improve or has improved his own life to be more of a go-giver. I really think you're going to enjoy this interview. Let me know what you think. I might try to have Bob back on the podcast. I wish we'd had more time. You'll find all the notes to this and the links to his books on calwalters.me, my website. And without any further ado, please enjoy this interview with best-selling author Bob Berg. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Major. It's a pleasure and an honor to uh, be with you. Thank you so much for your service. Well, Bob, thank you so much. And it's it's an honor to be with you. And I've loved your books. The, the two books I've read, The Go-Giver and The Go-Giver Leader, have been amazing. And for those listeners that haven't read them, and I know I've recommended them before, one of the things I love about these two books, and I guess probably all of your books, is that they're short, but you also use a parable that's really enjoyable. I mean, you could read these books in a weekend, but I also think you put language around some of the experiences that I think a lot of us have had, but maybe just don't have words to describe them. And um, the first question I have for you, Bob, is kind of about your why. You know, I, I see you traveling a lot, speaking, writing, doing all that you do. And I'm just kind of curious, what is your motivation to teach and coach and write? And where do you think that comes from? Oh, wow. Those are all great questions. And, you know, I think we're very fortunate when we can do something that we love, something that we feel makes an impact, something that's rewarding, both financially, but also just, you know, whether it's spiritually, mentally, emotionally, it's, it's so forth. So I just, you know, I really enjoy what I do. And, and I like the idea that I feel it's a message that brings value to the world. You know, I think we're, as human beings, I think we are really created to want to make a difference, if you will, to, to add value to the world. As my, my great co-author, who's a wordsmith, John David Mann, as he says, nudge the world a bit more forward, you like know? That. Yeah, I like that. And uh, so I, I think that's really where it, com- uh, where it comes in. My, um, my dad and mom, great parents. I was very, very blessed. And, you know, they were all about, I mean, I, I, I would consider them to be go-givers, even though that's not a word that I would have, you know, <laughs> thought of and, and yeah. so forth. So I think it's a, it's, it's a combination of, uh, of that. And I, I love to teach. And I also, you know, I love to entertain. So on stage, you know, you get to kind of teach, you entertain, and you, so even though I'm really an introvert, when I'm not on stage, I like nothing better than to be home reading a book and uh, hanging out with my cat, little Kelly. <laughs> you mentioned your mom and your dad, and I read in the Go-Giver Leader in the end of that, that that they really impacted you a lot. In fact, it sounds like your dad actually created a school. Could you tell us just a little bit about yeah. the two of them and really what you maybe learned the most from each of them? Yeah, well, when when dad um, got out of World War II, he moved down to, he grew up, he grew up in Massachusetts, which is where I grew up, but he moved down to Miami. He, he actually, for a while, managed the famous Fifth Street Fight Gym, which you're too young to, to have ever probably heard of, but that was the famous gym in Miami Beach where uh, Angelo and Chris Dundee, they ran that gym. Angelo would later become the trainer of, of Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard. And- oh, wow. Of, of trainers. So when dad went back up to Massachusetts, he started kind of a, a school for boxing. But what he would do is he would generally parents would bring their kids in and dad at first would teach them how to, how to box, how to defend themselves. Uh, he combined a lot of the martial arts with that. So it was really 
he, what he was doing was helping kids build confidence in themselves through physical activities such as self-defense and sports, and it was very family dynamic. So he'd also be teaching communication skills between families at the same time. This actually grew into a, a, a very, very big operation, starting from that one place that he had where, where he, he grew up. And, and here's a guy who never went to college. And in fact, I think he left home at 17 to join the war. And he ended up being written up in Time Magazine, you know, a full page wow. article on, on what wow. his place was called, the, uh, the Academy of Physical and Social Development. So it was a pretty big, big thing. Mom and, and him had a, a wonderful marriage. They were just, you know, two people who were loving parents. And I just set a great example. My dad also is probably, when it came to people skills, the best I've ever seen. And again, it was very intuitive with him. Mm-hmm. With me, I've, I got to study him. You know, I've got yeah. to, right? But I also have read and studied and, and so forth. So to me, it wasn't so much natural as it was a, a learned kind of thing. But, um, but I, I got to grow up with a couple of great examples. So, you know, I think when, you, when that happens, you're really kind of off on the right foot there. That's so cool. And you were a boxer yourself, right? Yeah. Wow. Good researcher. It's, uh, uh, yeah. And my, my younger, thinner and faster days. Yeah. <laughs> a golden, golden glove, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, so for those that maybe aren't familiar with The Go-Giver, what's the basic premise behind the book? Yeah. So it, basically it is that shifting your focus, and this is really the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Understanding that doing so is not only a more pleasant way of conducting business, of selling, of leading, what have you, it's the most profitable way as well. And not for some way, way you know, way out woo-woo kind of reason, just, you know, do good things and good things, well, that's fine, that's great, but that's, that's not what it's about. It, it's actually very logical. It's very rational. When you're that person who can, unlike so many, who can move from an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus, looking for ways to bring value to others, to make other people's lives better, to help them solve their challenges, to help them in whatever way make their lives better, uh, people feel good about you. People Mm. want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to do business with you. They're much more likely to follow your leadership or, and influence and, and sing your praise to others. And, you know, it, so it really is just, it, it's very rational when you think about it, but it goes kind of against human nature to a certain extent, yeah. you know, where, where we, can, we can naturally be very focused on ourselves. Yeah. One of the things I like to do on my show is try to take some of these abstract ideas and, and try to make them a little more practical and give people some examples. And, and I'm just curious, Bob, maybe from your own life or maybe some examples that you've seen. And you do a great job in your book of telling the story, but what are some practical ways and examples that you, maybe you try to be a go-giver or that you've seen people illustrating these go-giver principles in their lives? Well, you think about it, you can, you can communicate value to others when you first meet another person. Mm-hmm. How? By really focusing on them, not on yourself. And, you know, you take mm-hmm. a, a typical case of two people who are in business, maybe meeting at a, uh, an after-hours mixer, right, or a uh, yeah. charity 
event or wherever it happens to be. And both people, they introduce themselves and they give their elevator speeches and they basically, what are they doing? They're trying to sell each other hats, right? They're trying to, right? But what if instead you focus on that person? When you ask them what they do and they tell you, you know, I, I sell copying machines to you know, businesses, blah, 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 and what do you do? And, you, and you, know, you tell them, but now you go, now you focus on them. And you might ask a couple of, of questions that are very just rapport building questions that right away show, show this other person that you're looking to be of value to them. So you might ask this person whose name is Gary, Gary, tell me, how did you get started selling copying machines? Or how did you get your start as an office products professional? And this is not a, a, a clever question. It's not a slick question. In fact, it's pretty mundane, right? I mean, yeah. um, and yet people love answering that question. Why? Because you just made them the star. You made them the focus. So you didn't make it like most people do about you and your products yeah. and services and why they should be interested. No, you right away uh, asked them to, to share their story. How many people asked Gary to share his story regarding how he got started selling copying machines. Now, I'm going to tell you, his own family has never asked him to share his story, never mind you, who he, he just met, right? Uh, another great question is to ask him, what do you enjoy most about it? Now, now it may come off more like, uh, wow, you must have had some fascinating experiences over the years, Gary. Tell me, what do you enjoy most about what you do? Now, this flies in the face of a lot of traditional sales teaching, maybe where we're taught to immediately find their pain, right? You know, reach to their heart, tear it out, right? Uh, and so, you know, what we want to do is at first just kind of find their joy, not their, not their pain. Now, here's a great question. I call this the one key question that will separate you from everyone else this person's ever met. And that is to ask him the question, uh, Gary, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with would be a good prospective client for you. Mm. You, you know, you, you think of that wow. and a good way to set that up, by the way, is to say, you know, Gary, I always love connecting good people with other good people. Tell me, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good, you know, potential client or whatever for you? So, and, and you think about it, what is that communicating to him? Again, that you're different from everyone else. You're focused yeah. on him. You want to help him And this right there is, you know, and this is something I've got so many people doing who, who have said it has just changed the way, not only that they do business, but the way people respond to them. Because see, when we do this, it attracts people to us. Hmm. You know, we, it's like talking about leadership or influence, right? And we say, well, so what is influence really? Well, I think it's on, on, two levels okay i think there's a basic definition of influence uh the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action right usually within the context of a specific goal that's the that's the definition but i don't believe that's the substance or essence of influence. the essence of influence is pull pull as opposed to push as in how far can you push a rope and we know the answer is not very far, at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers don't, don't push. You never hear people say, wow, that David or that Mary, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with yeah. people. No, she has a lot of pull with people mm. because that's what influence is. It's an attraction. Great influencers attract people first to themselves and then to their ideas. And, you know, you think of, of, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Lieutenant um, 
David Marquet. He yes. Wrote a yeah. On the shepherd, right. And what yeah. if he if he came in from a very top-down yeah. push type of thing in which they had really a you know people it was always a matter of compliance and they had the worst-rated nuclear submarine in the service and and they had they had no one re-enlisting right. He came in and he pulled. He gave people confidence in themselves. He helped mm. people. He helped people really bring out the best of themselves. He gave them ownership and what they were and what happened. Yeah. They were they they followed because they saw that he had had confidence in them that he had faith in them that he had and uh, you know I think that's just such a, a difference maker for any leader for any influencer. Yeah, so true. And uh, when you were talking about some of those questions you asked, it made me think about some of the most fulfilling interactions I've had with people. In fact, I was telling my wife the other night that I really enjoyed an experience. We just went out to dinner with some people and I wasn't quite sure why I enjoyed it so much, but it was because the people I was with were really good listeners. They just asked really good questions. And it makes me think of Stephen Covey, his Uh book about, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood and how it meets a need in people. It's not just like a, like a physical need, a psychological need that we all have to, to feel understood and to tell our story. So I, I love that. And I think that's a, a truly distinguishing characteristic of a, a go-giver. Do you think that a go-giver, some of these principles, and maybe you can talk from personal experience, is it something that almost has become habitual for you? Or is it something that almost every day you have to say, you know what, I need to kind of set myself aside today and I'm going to be, give more than I receive. Or I'm going to make sure I'm engaged with this person. Or has it become more habitual for you that, since now that you've been doing it for so long? It's become more habitual, um, but like any, in, you know, like anything else, it's it's something that at first we have to consciously stay be aware of and stay aware of and work at, and uh, you know, it's it's really it's about repetition. You know, I was I was reading a great book by James Clare, uh, Atomic Habits, mm. and I love what he he said. He said, you know, there's always been this argument about how many days does it take to form a new habit? And it was always the conventional wisdom was 21, and then you heard 28, and then you heard 40, and then, and he said, really, what is this? It's not how many days, it's how many reps. Mm. And I think when we just, we decide to do something, to form a new habit, uh, to exchange one habit that doesn't necessarily serve us or serve others with another habit, to the degree we work on it, consistently, that's the degree we can quickly have this new habit take over. Uh, Ben Franklin, in his outstanding book, The Autobiography, he had one chapter uh, called The 13 Virtues, where what he did is he took 13 traits, character traits that that were not serving him, that were not helping him at the time. Of course, he was an inventor, so he invented his own personal development system. (laughs) So he would work one week on, on a certain trait and just totally, uh, I was gonna, yeah, I'm sure he didn't put yellow stickies up there because they wouldn't have been invented uh, till 3M back in the uh, <laughs> the 50s or 60s. But yeah. he he had you know notes and he he had he he just totally focused on this one trait for a week for a full week. And at the end of that week, he'd do an assessment and how now he'd go on to the next trait and the next trait, the next trait, and he'd spend one week on uh, 13 different traits. Now he'd then repeat it again. 13 times 4, 52. So by the end of one year, he had a chance to intensely work on 13 different traits, you know, for four weeks. And it made a big difference. So a guy named Charlie Tremendous Jones, who was one of the real old, the old old time speakers and just a great 
guy, just a wonderful human being. He had sent me a copy of Ben's book and I had read that and it really inspired me because at that time I was about 35 years old and I was realizing that, you know, I'd had a certain level of success, but there were a lot of things holding me back. And when I say a lot of things, I mean myself. And I realized it was really time to do a personal accounting of my traits and the chapter by Ben, the whole book was great, but that chapter by Ben, wow. And so I did the same thing. And some of the wow. traits I used were the same as Ben's. Others were ones more specific to me. Boom. Made a huge, huge difference in my life. Wow. Um, but yeah. And so, you know, I think when we talk about whether it's being a go-giver or whether it's, it's uh, you know, really anything that we, we need to, to discipline ourselves to, to grow, you know, that's what we need to do. So I, I like what James Clear said, that it's reps more mm. than days. And then you just do it till it happens. <laughs> that, makes a lot, that makes a lot of sense. What were a couple of those traits, uh, if you don't mind sharing? No, one for me, the big one was gratitude. Because mm. I realized that I was someone who really kind of looked at the negative things in life. I mean, I, I think that was just my, you know, uh, you know, they say in, in all sorts of whether it's uh, you know, happiness, whether it's, it's uh, attitude, whether it's a lot of it, we are born a certain way, but we don't have to be limited by that. You know, yeah. we can change our brain. Our, the neuroplasticity is a thing. We can actually change our brain when we do different things, take different actions, think different thoughts and practice. Okay. But, but by nature, I was in, you know, kind of a negative Nelly. And I didn't hadn't thought about it, but I realized I was. And um, so, so for one week, the goal was just gratitude. Be thankful for everything, for every little thing. It didn't have to be the big things. It could be that I was able to, to speak, that I was able to hear, that I was able to see, touch, feel, taste, that I could buy a cup of coffee in the morning for $2 at my local Circle K or Dunkin' Donuts, knowing that to get that coffee for just $2, a lot went into that, such as people growing the coffee and tending to it and people building ships that had to, to get over there and to get, build the ships. There had to be ore that was mined. But, you know, the, all these, and I, I think of every little thing I could that made it so that this was, so I could get one $2 cup of coffee, mm. hot and fresh and enjoy it, right? And I would just um, look at every way I could to, to, to be grateful. And within that first week, things started to change for me. But then, of wow. course, when I went through it 13 weeks later again, boom, it just made it even better and better and better. So gratitude was one. Uh, another was the language I spoke. I really, you know, I, I realized that I had a bad habit of gossiping. Uh, I spoke ill of other people. Uh, it's one of the most destructive habits you can do. And not only did I speak ill of other people, I listened to gossip quite often. And I involved myself with gossip. And I realized that had to go. And so I just made a, a you know, I made it as a, as, a, as a trait, one of those to just end gossip, to not. And there are people who will say, Bob, I've never heard you speak a bad word of anyone. And that's not someone somebody would, would have said back then. Wow. It was well, also money management. And there were, you know, different, uh, different uh, you know, others that I had. So, sure. Wow. Well, I wasn't planning to ask you about this, but I'm really curious just about those couple of things you just said. For gratitude, did you do you write it? Do you have any practice of writing down what you're thankful for? Or is it just yeah. Become... In fact, if I knew we were going to talk about that, I have a little notebook about which is about probably 50 feet away from me on okay. one of my shelves. If, if you want, uh, I will go get it. I will read to you <laughs> what is in there. So. Wow. 
And then for the gossip, what did you do specifically to kind of eliminate that? Because I'll be honest, that's something that I think I've probably struggled with. Okay. And probably me, a lot of people. I'll tell you what. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a sip of coffee. So. <laughs> All right. Okay, so here are a few things. For gratitude or appreciation, notice the blessing in everything big and small. Dwell on the, on the beauty in all I see, hear, touch, taste, and smell. Realize that everything is a gift from the Almighty and is put there by God in order to enjoy and learn from. Then... Here's a, a piece I cut out from one of my teachers, Rabbi Zelig Pliskin of Israel. He wrote in one of his books. Uh, in fact, I think his book was called Gratitude. Mm -hmm. Every single day we experience many hundreds of minor pleasures in both the material and spiritual aspects of our lives. We can learn to focus on all these common occurrences and recognize the kindness of the Almighty. As an exercise in appreciation, try for one hour to feel grateful for every single thing you find yourself doing. When you read, be grateful you can see and read. When you walk, be grateful for the use of your feet. When you talk, be grateful for the ability to communicate with others. For a full hour, do not take even the smallest action for granted. Be aware of every detail of what you can do. Anyone who does this daily for even a short term will have a much greater appreciation for everything he does. So that was just appreciation. And then what I would do is, of course, is I'd have the yellow sticky notes everywhere that wow. I could see them. So I would always be reminded of what I was working on that week. And, and now, do you have a, a practice that you do now of kind of thinking and practicing gratitude? Or is, is, it, is it as simple as just being thankful? Or do you have a practice of journaling or writing it down now? Um, well, I did actually for a year. There was, a, there was a, um, a book. It was a book of basically blank pages that was, that was I think it was Sarah... Breathed, I think her, her last name was, I'm not sure, but it was a book on gratitude where every night at the end of the, the day, you wrote down five things for, for which you were grateful. And I did wow. that for a complete year. Wow. And yeah, that was also helpful. But now it's, you know, just a matter of I try to, you know, read on gratitude. I try to think of gratitude. I try to just stay grateful and look at, you know, and again, this doesn't mean yucky things don't happen. They happen to everyone. It doesn't mean I don't feel badly about a lot of things. I mean, life is life. But it means you have an overall feeling of gratitude for everything. Yeah. And again, that's more, I believe it's more of a decision than anything else. And Bob, I think this is kind of a neat segue. And I know we're running out of time here, but um, I think in your, in your book, The Go-Giver Leader, one of the things that really stuck out to me was your definition of humility. I think you say hugely humble. And I think that maybe is a little bit related to gratitude. But could you tell us as we're wrapping up here, what does humility mean to you? And how, how do you think that influences us and in our leadership? Um, so it's, it, it's funny, because I just went to the end of this book and humility was the last one. The third, <laughs> That's and, uh, and really, in a sense, you know, I, I think that if we, as human beings in today's culture, if we say the word humble, people kind of think of that person, you know, if we said that, you know, 
someone's knocking at the door and when you open it, you're going to see the most humble person in the world. Who are you going to describe this person? They're going to say, oh, somebody who's looking down at the ground and somebody who's, you know, kind of looks depressed or somebody who's uh, a Casper Miltose type. And no, that's not humility. That's self-hatred. You know, that's a lack right. of respect. Um, no, humble is not, humble is, is knowing, understanding your strengths but understanding that the strengths came from a, a higher source than you. And by the way, I'm not in any way um, trying to place my beliefs on anybody else. I'm just saying that that's how I would define it. Yeah. That, you know, your, your, your strengths came, you know, whether you want to say from God, nature, your, your parents, people you learn from, you know, the different things. So, and we say, you know, a humble person will take pleasure in their accomplishments as opposed to taking pride in their accomplishments. Mm. Mm. You That's know? really good. Yeah. yeah. You know, we can be, you were, of course, we're very thankful. And you work hard, you work hard, you're an athlete, you work hard, you do be thankful, of course, and, and, and take pleasure in, in uh, that, what you did, but not pride. Because yeah. pride says it's all about me. Yeah. Right? Pleasure says I'm totally grateful. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there were a lot of things that went into it which again, doesn't take anything away from yourself. No, you did work very, very hard. And fortunately, you had your good gross motor control or small motor control or the ability to, you know, to get out and practice. So the, you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. so I think that's really the difference between humility and, and, and arrogance. Humility, you're grateful for what you are able to, to do and have and be. Whereas arrogance is ah, just about me. It's not, you know. Yeah, I love this quote in the book. It says, the word humility shares a common root with hummus. Being humble means being aware of your connection with the dust of the earth. And it says, remember your muddy beginnings and you can accomplish anything. And I just, that really hit me. It's almost like a humble person is really the most self-aware of anyone. They're mm -hmm. people that they, ah, know, ah, yeah. they know where they came from. They know everyone that's helped them along the way. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that distinction in your book. And I just encourage people as, as we're finishing up here to go check out the go-giver, the go-giver leader. And Bob, where's the best place for people to connect with you? And, and if you have anything big going on right now, I'd love for you to share that with our audience if, if you have anything that you'd like to share with them. Yeah, people are, are welcome to visit uh, Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. Uh, while there, they can check out the blog. We have a whole bunch of videos on various topics. They can scroll down. They can look for the, the books, um, all the four books in the Go-Giver series. They can get a free chapter to see if they like it first and then click through to Amazon if they do. We also have an event coming up, a, a live event coming up in late April. It's called Endless Referrals, The Go-Giver Way. And if they'll go to endlessreferrals.com, all the information is there. That's fantastic. Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. I wish we had more time. We'll have to maybe have you come on for another, another uh, time. And again, thank you for your, the work that you're doing. And it's really benefited me and I'm sure my audience today. So sincerely appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Major. All right. Take care, Bob. Hey, friends, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Bob. It went really quickly. We were having fun. Uh, I wanted to leave you with this. One, go check out that book. Go check out the book, The Go-Giver. It's really great. But I wanted to ask you, how are you adding value to the people around you? How are you adding value to your family members? How are you adding value to your friends? How are you adding value to your coworkers? Ask yourself that. Explore as you go throughout today and just ask yourself, how am I adding value? 
that's a big key to the book, The Go-Giver. And I think that's a big key to living a fulfilled life. So I just want to encourage you, ask yourself that question. And as you go throughout today, see how you can add value to the people around you. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for listening. And just remember, life is short. Let's make it count.